Good morning, church. Uh, shall we pray? Uh, Father God, we thank you so much that you wanted us to be your family. And you called us to be your own through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, we want to thank you that you died for our sins. You were buried. And on the third day, you rose again, all in accordance with scripture. You were seen by many. You instructed your disciples. You ascended into heaven. You sent the Holy Spirit upon your church. And we thank you for your presence that lives in us. We thank you for that constant reminder that we are the purchased possession of God. We belong to you. You are for us and not against us. Your presence is with us. You go before us. Thank you for that intimacy we have. Jesus, we thank you that you are preparing a place for the church. You are interceding for the church. You are coming back for the church and to judge the world. Lord, we ask that we want to know you more. So we, as we interact with scripture, we ask that may your presence open the eyes of our understanding. There might be a greater degree of intimacy between us and with each other. We ask, Lord, that we may become more Christ-like, that we serve faithfully and we serve for your glory. We are saying we are listening. We are sat here in a posture of listening, a posture of dependence. And we're saying we love you, Lord. We love your word. Your word is like a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Your word is sweet like honey from a honeycomb. Lord, this morning we want to say to you, as a deer pants for the water brook, so our hearts long for you. As we listen, we ask maybe be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, the leaves being green and producing fruit in its season. Thank you, Lord. We ask all this for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Today we're going to continue our series from Corinthians. Uh, we are in chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Like I prayed, God is looking to relate with his people and he wants his children to grow in intimacy with him and become more Christ-like and he has already done that through sending his son. And Jesus said this of his disciples, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. So wherever we are, we are shining the light that God has put within us. We are reflecting his light. So be aware of that. So when these Christ communities were started, God used people, his apostles, and Paul started this at Corinth. And the Corinthian church was a great church, it was uh, a city church, it was a port city, um, it was made up of people uh, 
who were self-made people who worked hard and uh, in this church they were gifted as well they had many many gifts of the spirit in operation in this church but when Paul was away certain false teachers came in and infiltrated the church and uh, tried to seduce them away from the simplicity and their faithfulness to Christ they brought a different gospel a different gospel is a gospel that introduces something more than what Christ has done or taking away something from Christ has done uh, so Paul sometimes sent delegations sometimes wrote letters sometimes visited this is one of those letters so he is defending himself and defending his apostleship against false apostles and false teachers so now we will launch into this last week he we looked at the previous chapter in which he's talking about he was boasting in the Lord we looked at questions is it all right to boast and we concluded while it's not a comfortable thing to boast sometimes it might be absolutely necessary if you're boasting you have to boast in the Lord the content has to be true the motives have to be pure we also looked at the fact that sometimes uh, when you boast our human tendency is to boast about our strengths how good we are how fantastic we are but when Paul boasted he boasted in his weakness he also spoke about the fact that how he had to make an unceremonious exit from Damascus in a basket let down with a rope uh, from the walled city so trials do come but trials uh, refine your faith uh, it, so when we serve God in whatever capacity whether you're just doing something uh, mundane or something uh, spectacular uh, faithfulness is important but also it's important for us to come with the mindset there'll be seasons of ease and there'll be seasons of trial so keep that in mind uh, today Paul continues uh, to move from speaking about his trials and vulnerability he is moving on to uh, talk about uh, visions and revelations and the subsequent thorn in the flesh so when he's speaking in this passage again he starts very reluctantly and he's saying uh, uh, he does not want to boast but he is boasting but he's speaking in third person he's speaking of what do we know from this passage he's speaking about a man a man in Christ who had a vision uh, in which this man was transported into the third heavens or paradise and this vision happened 14 years when he was spending 14 years ago when he was spending this particular letter he's able to have a recall and this is a this is this message has not been previously shared with the church so keep all that in mind these are things we know things he does not know is whether this man was transported bodily or whether it was an out-of-body experience that he says God alone knows obviously when he was transported he's seen certain things but he's forbidden to speak about them we will look at a few things now I'm going to first comment on third heavens 
If someone says there is third heavens, obviously there is a first heaven and a second heaven. Um, while he does not describe the third heavens, but a Hebraic mindset will help you to understand when they say third heavens. The first heavens is the atmosphere for a Hebraic mind. The second heavens is the, is the stellar space for a Hebraic mind. The third heavens is the abode of angels and saints. That is the, for a Hebraic mind. While the Bible does not expand about what exactly it is or what it is, then we should remain silent and not try to speculate. Now there's something interesting here. Paul is, uh, is speaking in third person, but suddenly in about verse 7, uh, he, he cannot hold the cover anymore. The reason he's speaking in third person, he's trying to distance himself. He didn't want people uh, to draw attention to himself. In verse 7 he says, to keep me from becoming conceited. So he's, he says, me. He identifies, I'm that person who had this experience. I just would like to say an application. This experience that Paul had was a personal experience and this was not for the edification of the church, otherwise he would have spoken at length. What happens today if somebody has a personal experience like that? What do they do? They sign a book deal, they go do talk shows, they uh, raise money, they go on a speaking tour. Paul was none like that. And very often today, if you went to a Christian bookstore and you picked up a book on I've been to heaven or something like that, you'll find the imageries that people speak in those books are far removed from the imagery that's in the Bible. So I wonder which heaven they did go to. So it's important for us to remember everything has to line up with scripture. So my question is, could God give you a personal experience of something that's unique and pertinent to you? Yes, he can. But is that message meant to be uh, put on a Facebook status and made, made much of? No, it's a personal thing. It is an intimate relationship that you have with God. It builds you up. Just like if you have the gift of tongues, it helps to build your faith up. It's not necessarily to edify everybody else, except if there's an interpretation. Okay. So now I would say to you, in your relationships, you have got some close relationships. Maybe it's a, a, a parent and a child, a husband and a wife, or a sibling. And you share some things with them which you will not share with other people. Is that right? That is for your personal thing. You don't go around and say, oh, this is what my wife did to me this morning and put it on the Facebook status or put an Instagram. You don't. So God is able to give you a personal walk and he ever wants you to walk closely. There are many, many pictures in the Bible of people walking with God. The Bible says, uh, Ad, God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Enoch walked with God. Moses knew the ways of God, Israel, the works of God. And uh, there, are, there is a picture of Jesus walking amidst his churches in the book of Revelation. Wow, that is intimacy, that is friendship, that is fellowship. So having spoken about that, next we will look at... Um, Paul says that he should not be conceited. 
So what is he trying to say is when we have personal experience with God, so it's so easy for us to become puffed up, to become proud, to think like I am walking with Jesus better than Joe Bloggs down the road. I'm unique. Oh, I'm great. You, you kind of sometimes are pushed into this place where you think like you can walk into a, 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 a church setting and you think, now that I've arrived, the party can begin. Actually, it's not about us. It's about Christ. So it's very important for us to all those experiences dear. And it's so easy for us to get puffed up. So if you're one of those people who have got very special, intimate relationship with God and you've had some personal experiences, never get puffed up. Always remember, it is all about Christ. It is just simply that special privilege that you've been let into some experiences. That's number one. And he, again, he does not boast about his uh, uh, vision, but he talks about a thorn in the flesh. There are many, many scholars who have speculated what is this thorn in the flesh. Uh, some people have speculated and said, oh, Paul was suffering from malaria. Some people have said he's suffering from epilepsy. Some people are saying it's about his stature. Some people are saying it's about his eyesight. The Bible does not say what that particular thing is, except for some things. I want to suggest to you three things today. Number one, that thorn in the flesh was physical. Number two, that thorn in the flesh was mental. Number three, that thorn in the flesh was spiritual. Physical, mental, spiritual. Let's go, to, go through them now. I grew up in India and uh, for the first 10 years of my life, we lived, uh, I lived with my parents, but there were four houses inside a wooded area uh, in uh, my neck of the woods. The woods have long gone, uh, it's very different. The houses have been uh, bulldozed and new skyscrapers have gone up. It's so sad. But when we were living, we were living in a compound with over a hundred acre of woods around us. And uh, my younger brother was uh, uh, Down syndrome and my mum had to care f very much for him. So during summer holidays, my brother and I will sneak off into the woods because mum is busy looking after him. So because we are sneaking out, we didn't have time to come and get our shoes or slippers on or sandals on, so we went barefoot and we were walking through the woods and we used to play things like, you know, trying to see if there's a tiger there, there's no tigers there, but you know, just pretending, sometimes lying in these tall grass with a little, you know, and, and imaginative games were being played. Sometimes I would step onto a thorn on my barefoot which pierces my leg and we try to pull it out sometimes, we don't successfully pull it out sometimes, the bit of that thorn still left in my foot. Believe you me, it's not a, a pleasant experience, it's not, it's a painful experience to walk with it, sometimes it can get infected too. So, uh, this, when the Bible speaks about thorn, the word is steak, S-T-A-K-E, as opposed to the beef steak. Yeah? because I sometimes mix, mix and pronounce both either way, yeah, so. A stick is something that is sharp and piercing and uh, it was painful, it was a constant reminder to Paul of his vulnerability as a human being. Uh, as you age, 
you know, you guys are young, but majority of you, as you age, you suddenly find you get certain aches and certain pains, and you kind of are trying to, your tent is creaking, and your tent is kind of, kind of, yeah, it creaks and it leaks, sometimes it tears. Uh, all these things happen, part of the aging process. And um, during those periods, it brings home, we are vulnerable. But when you're 20, you feel like you can take on the world and, yeah, bring it on. And you're, you're in a different mindset. Apostle Paul's thorn was in the flesh. We don't know what it was, but it was a painful reminder. Number two, it was mental. Because he says that a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me. So how does Satan primarily attack you? He attacks your thinking. That's where your majority of your battles happen, is in your mind. What does he do? He gives you an alternate suggestion. Maybe he tells some lies. Maybe he disguises the truth. He kind of mixes things. So let's hold that there. Should we be alarmed because God had permitted a messenger of Satan to come and buffet Paul? Should we be afraid? So I'm going to give you two things today. One is I'm going to talk about the space of Satan and the fate of Satan. The space of Satan and the fate of us, Satan. Who is Satan? Satan is a created angelic being. He is one of a created being. He is not all-powerful. He is not omnipresent. He is not uh, omnipotent. He is not omniscient. He is a created being. Number one, keep that very much in mind. He is subject to God. In Colossians chapter 2 it says, all things were created by God. Things visible, invisible, angels, powers, it's all made by God and for God. So he is, he is a, Satan is a created being, he's an angelic being, he's also a fallen being. The Bible says that he fell from his estate. Jude 1.6 and in 2 Peter chapter 2, you will read about the fact that he fell from his estate and a group of angels that rebelled against God. They lost their place in creation. One other thing is, um, should we panic? Actually, in, in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, it talks about the churches, one of the roles of the church is to, to display the manifold wisdom of God to the powers and principalities. So when you gather as a church, what is church? Church is an, a gathering, ecclesia of a, a group of people who are called out. So you might think like, I'm doing church, maybe because of habit, maybe because I love to come to church, and you're, uh, some of you might be there in that category. And when you're coming here, you are displaying God's manifold wisdom to the powers and principalities that we belong to God. Hallelujah. See, it's, it's, it's not doing church. You are doing far more than you see. When you're worshipping God, wow! Ephesians 3, Ephesians 6, uh, it also says a church actually wrestles with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and the spiritual wickedness of this age. So we are also in a battle of an unseen dimension. So in that wrestling, again, God is glorified because we do not give up. Hallelujah! 
See, you get a picture. We will have trials in this world, but we do not give up. So that, because we know who has called us and what he's called us for. And uh, he has entered into a covenant relationship. And he who has begun a good work in you will complete it and present you before the Father is holy and pure, without spot, without wrinkle, on that day. Wow. So that's space, Satan's uh, space. Satan's fate. I've already given you those two scriptures, one in Jude 1.6, uh, which talks about the fact that he has been held in chains. That imagery is repeated again in, one, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 2. Again, he's held in chains. What does that holding in chains signify? It means that there is a limit of freedom, but there is restriction. So, we should not fear that Satan is running loose and going to knock us off our, uh, our perch. It's not like that. He is limited in what he can do. And he can only work with the permission of God. Like you see in the time of Job, uh, uh, he had to get permission to uh, harass Job. So it's important for us to remember that. So now lastly, that thorn in the flesh is spiritual in the sense it was kept, it was given to him so that he will not become proud. Pride is something that uh, uh, Satan or Lucifer uh, exhibited. He wanted to be like God and be, uh, you know. Sometimes, you know, when, when I was younger, I came across a group of Christians who were so hung up on that verse where Jesus said, uh, you will do greater works. So I had some zealous friends of mine in university days who decided to do 41 days of fasting so that they can do greater works than Jesus, you know. You know, you know that's still an enigma as to what do they mean by greater works. Maybe one day we'll have to explore that and see what does he mean by that. Okay. So uh, it is spiritual to keep us from being proud. So we have looked at that. Now lastly, I want to say that when you have a thorn in the flesh, how does Paul react? Okay, Paul decides to pray. And he prays some more. And some more. And some more. So if you're going through a, a difficult thing, what you need to do? Pray. And pray. And pray. And pray some more till you hear from him, whatever way he answers. Um, prayer is primarily a, a posture of dependence. A prayer is primarily a way of saying, God, you're bigger than me, and I don't want to do life without you. I want you, I want your input in my life. I don't want to be independent. I don't want to be autonomous. I want to be dependent on you, O oh God, who knows everything, who knows my tomorrows, who holds my future. You are my future. God, I'm weak. I'm frail. I need your help. That's prayer. And as we pray, our relationship with God is strengthened. See, if I were to come and ask you for help, say this morning a number of people helped us to run the service. Each person who helped, there is a degree of intimacy that's built as we serve with one another. So keep that in mind. Okay? And uh, 
and uh, what happens if the prayer is not answered the way you wanted it answered? This is a great question. He says, uh, when Paul says he prayed three times, it doesn't necessarily mean, it might mean literally three times, or it could simply be a figurative thing that he prayed many times. Okay? So which way you can hold that? And see, when he, what's in reply? He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Whatever you're going through, God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for me. His grace is sufficient for me to keep me unto that day. Hallelujah. And his power is made perfect in my weakness. Whether you're going through a season of uh, ease or trial, make it a point to acknowledge God and acknowledge your weakness. I sometimes meet one-on-one -on -one with people. Yesterday I was speaking with Sam Drew, spent an afternoon with him and we were just chatting. And uh, one of the things I said to him is, the greatest prayer I pray before God is, God, I don't know what tomorrow holds, even what today holds. And I say, God, please hold my hand and I want to walk with you. So this is intimacy. So whether things are going easy, whether things are not going easy, that is where you need to be, in a place of trust and walking, so that you, God's power is made manifest in our lives. You know, so many people come up to me, and my friends often say to me, Alex, you've come across as a very confident person. My confidence is in the Lord. That's all I am, nothing else. My confidence is in the one who has called me, the one who has saved me, the one who has sanctified me, the one who's preparing a place for me, the one who's interceding for me, the one who's coming back for me. That's where my confidence is. I am trying to say you all are have that same status. I'm asking you, let us walk deeper with him. Lastly, he says, for Christ's sake, then I'm content in my weakness. He says, whether it is insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, when I'm weak, then I am strong. So, Closing this passage, what can we take on board? Sometimes God will give you personal, intimate revelation, abundance of revelation. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You know, when I go shopping with Claire, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, we very rarely go shopping, but when we do, uh, sometimes she'll walk past the shop window and she'll actually point something. And uh, I, in the beginning, I used to panic as newly married. Maybe she wants that, and it's beyond my ability to buy this thing for her. She said, no, 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 I'm just saying I like that color. Or she'll show me something and say, doesn't that look beautiful? Doesn't mean she wants it. So sometimes in a walk with God, God can show you some things. Enjoy it. Number two, because of the abundance of revelation, sometimes you could have a thorn in the flesh which God permits. If that be the case, if you're all you're going through any other trial, what do we do? Pray and pray. So I'm going to go do a little plug. I know that uh, as a congregation, we personally pray. Maybe you pray in your home groups. This evening, there's a prayer service online. I'm just a little plug. If you if don't, it only lasts 40 minutes. There about a thought for the day, a and then we break into little groups and we pray for each other and for a few other points that have been brought to us. So if that's you, you want to spend that 40 minutes, let's pray.
Let's come as a group and say, uh, we want to be dependent on you. Okay? And uh, uh, lastly, remember that in your weakness, his strength will be uh, made perfect or his power will be displayed. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you so much that you are personal to us. You're a personal saviour. You are Heavenly Father. We're saying, Daddy, we love you and we adore you. We bow down before you. We say it's fantastic that we can just come confidently and say, Abba, Daddy. And we're saying we don't want to do life without you. We are saying we want you in every aspect of our lives. Help us to remember that we are hallowed by you. Hallelujah. Lord, we look forward to walking closely with you and you sharing your heart with us. And uh, we ask, Lord, when we feel that intimacy, we don't want to be proud. Should we face trial, we want to say, in that trial, our dependence is on you and our uh, faith is being refined through these trials. And uh, we thank you that you would not allow us to go through something without your help and your grace is sufficient for us. We thank you so much for the church. We look forward to days and months and years of intimacy, of walking with you in Bristol, Britain and beyond. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We're going to have some sung worship and uh, uh, Will and Imogen are going to lead that and I'm going to go and help Imogen if she needs a babysitter. No, she's okay. Okay, and then we will have communion together.